Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got not one but two interviews for you guys to bring you both some Wisconsin football talk and some Wisconsin basketball talk. So uh, we're going to do our piece here. We'll go through a little bit of news. We'll do our Big Ten picks, and then we'll get into um, first our interview with David Mormon, of course, former Wisconsin offensive lineman, been on. Uh, three times now to the show. Um, I'll say we just got done recording that. We recorded both of them. I'll say for that interview with David, phenomenal stuff. Gave a really good insight into you know everything that's going on with Wisconsin football, some of the changes, um, you know how these guys kind of approach the season. Of course, him being just so a um, little bit removed from the program, but just a couple of years ago, still got a great insight, familiarity with what Wisconsin football does um, and everything that way. So I think you guys will really enjoy listening to him again. You know, there's a reason we've had him on. Three times now, he's very insightful to everything Wisconsin football. And then after that, we've got an interview with uh, Connor Isagian, of course, the latest commit to Wisconsin basketball, three-star guard. Um, he came on, talked about, of course, the strengths, uh, everything he's working on, his, his visit to Madison, and, of course, his eventual commitment. So should be a, a nice uh, two interviews for you guys uh, to mix it up and, and send you into the weekend getting through this bye week. Um, hopefully you guys will enjoy it. So our part will probably be short and sweet because I know there's some other things you want to hear from both David and Connor. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, it's it was awesome to speak with both of them, but it's always amazing to have David on. Um, he's just very insightful with everything that's going on with the team based off the fact that he has that experience and really just recent experience with the team and, and still is friends with a lot of those guys. Um, so I'm excited. I think fans will really like it. We don't need to spend too much time talking football here because really we dove into a lot of the things that um, fans are wondering about with this Badgers team. Um, and, and he gave some very honest and interesting answers about what he thinks based off of uh, his experience as a former player, um, as well as talking about where he'd want um, an NAL deal with uh, within Madison, which I thought was very cool. Um, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm good. No, I think we covered all the bases football-wise. A, a nice, good, uh, a, a good bye week conversation before we turn the page uh, to focus in on everything Notre Dame next week. And then, of course, uh, a little bit of basketball talk with Connor as well. Um, so uh, a, a nice, nice couple opportunities to, to get through this bye week with, with plenty of quality content. So why don't we, uh, well, knock out the news quick. And part of that news is, of course, um, the commitment from three-star guard Connor Asagi. And, of course, he'll be on to talk a little bit about himself. But before um, we do that, why don't we talk about the commitment, of course, a big piece to that 2022 class. Um, you know, in our interview, we talked about it 
I think what stands out uh, about Connor is his ability to shoot the basketball. He thinks he's much more of a, a rounded player, but definitely a knockdown shooter, which is something Wisconsin needs. So what did you uh, make of that pickup for the Badgers? I think it was a big get. Um, you look at it, um, and Wisconsin was pretty selective in terms of their offers in this 2022 class. Um, there was a couple other guards that um, might have been a little higher on the board um, and that I think Wisconsin was in good shape for at one time or another. But but I do think that he fits a really strong need in terms of a shooter. Wisconsin, when you look at the complexion of their roster, there's not a guy that you look at and you say, yeah, that's their knockdown um, shooter that can come off screens, can 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 hit from you know the corner and, and help this team spread out a uh, a defense. And I think that that's something that he will definitely be able to bring. He's got some good size at six four, 180 pounds. Had some good offers when you look at took an official visit to Wake Forest, offers from Butler, Creighton, Minnesota. Um, so he he had some really good looks, and and I think that he's going to be a kid that as he continues to grow into his body. Um, and, and grows on the defensive end, I think he's going to be able to help this team out in a lot of different ways. I think you hope that he can turn into a guy like Brevin Pritzel, um, or, you know, and, and maybe even better um, in terms of shooting. I know Pritzel was, was so good in practice at shooting, but then there was times when it wasn't as, as you know, on point as he would have hoped for once you once you got into the Cole Center or on the road. So I'm thinking that Connor is going to be a kid that's really going to help them out um, you know, maybe not right away. He he might have to redshirt just as he gets his body ready. But I think he's a talented kid that I think Badger fans should be excited about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked we've talked so much about this recruiting circuit for Wisconsin. You know, going after the bigs, they they've done really well with that, and they're and they're going after a lot of those players. But the knockdown shooter is something that they were certainly looking for. I think he brings that, and and you know, like he said, a little bit more. We talked about in the interview. He shows the ability to rebound as well, so he, he thinks his game is, is really well-rounded, and I think that will really work well for Wisconsin. And to land a kid in this class is, is of course, important as you move forward. You know, as you mentioned, it's it's a limited group right now. It'll be interesting to see where Wisconsin goes next, if it's whether it's, it's you know, if all of their sights are, are set on Huff, and then um, they figure out if that doesn't work out, where to go from there. But uh, I think this was the the first piece of that puzzle that, that I, Greg Gard really wanted to nail down, and and now he can, you know, really focus in on on some other players because his commitment um, is now out of the way. And of course, for Connor's sake, I think he can now um, just continue to hone in on, on his game and, and hopefully bring some um, some quality basketball up to Madison. I think he's a, a player that that fits that system really well. Yeah, and, and I think he's going to be putting on his recruiting hat to try to land them a guy like Braden Huff. Only other kid that's got an offer right now that's uncommitted. Um, and in the there's not really a flipping season in basketball. Once they make a commitment, it's usually, um, you know, pretty pretty well um, sewed up. I mean, people maybe be spurned a little bit by the the hero stuff a few years ago, but I look at it as I think Wisconsin's in a really good place for Huff. They got him coming for an official visit in late October for Halloween weekend. Um, he's also considering Northwestern, Virginia Tech, and Gonzaga, which obviously you look at the Zags, they've been one of the best programs in the country. And I think really, if you're able to land Huff, I think that really rounds out this class in a nice way where you've got an outside shooter and a, and a lanky big who can do a lot of really nice things as well as shoot the three. So hopefully Wisconsin can finish strong in that, in that class. And, and it's nice to talk a little bit about Wisconsin basketball because there, there hadn't been a lot of news on the recruiting front for a while until, um, Estegio kind of popped. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of been a slow time for Wisconsin basketball. We haven't talked a lot about it, of course, being in the in the middle of football season, but I think it worked out really well that this bye week we were able to to talk a little hoops because before you know it, I know we're early in football season, before you know it, you know, college basketball will be tipping off and we'll be focused in on some Wisconsin basketball as well. So um, news-wise, that's really about it, guys. And, of course, we get into it more with, with Connor later in the episode. So um, football-wise, why don't we transition over to our Big Ten picks? Uh, of course, last week was a, a crazy week in the Big Ten, the, of the main storyline, Ohio State falling to Oregon. I don't think a ton of people saw that that handy, um, expecting. And, of course, Iowa picking up a huge win over Iowa State. So a, a crazy weekend in the conference. And this weekend, some marquee matchups uh, overall. We've got a little bit of conference play. We've got a ton of, of interesting non-conference matchups uh, to get you into this week three matchup and to keep you entertained, despite the Badgers, of course, being off this Saturday. So uh, we'll start at the top on Friday night. Maryland, Illinois, who do you like in that one? Yeah, I think this is a sneaky good matchup. I mean, there's two really good matchups on the Friday night with UCF and Louisville also going on. But I'm going to go with Maryland uh, in this one. Illinois ha- has not been good against the pass in, in terms of their pass defense. That was something that we'll, folks will remember back to even 2020. Wisconsin threw all over them with Graham Mertz and his touchdown spree. So I, I think that um, – the, the younger tank of Iowa will be able to air it out. They've got some good wide receivers. I think Maryland is going to, is going to be able to beat the fighting Burts. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. It's, uh, it's kind of fallen off a, a cliff a little bit here early for Illinois. Of course, I believe Brandon Peters is back this week. So that will, um, help them out. And, but really he, he doesn't play defense. And, and so far that Illinois defense has been a little bit susceptible to the big plays, as you mentioned. So I'll go with uh, the Terps as well. But yeah, a great. Uh, starter for Friday night heading into the weekend. All right, up next, uh, one of these marquee non-conference matchups, Michigan State traveling to the University of Miami um, for the early slate on ABC. Who do you like in that one? I think this is, a, is an actually kind of an under-the-radar game this weekend. I think it could be really good. Kenneth Walker has been running really well for Michigan State. I know Miami's still ranked here, but, I mean, they got their – their uh, doors blown off against Alabama, as many do. Um, but then they didn't look good against App State either. So I don't know if Michigan State has the firepower at quarterback to be able to beat Miami here. But I I do think that I'm going to go with um, Michigan State to get it. I'm not feeling great about it, but I think that they might be turning a corner and and have a chance to to get a big win this year. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I think the only thing that concerns for me is, of course, that South Florida heat. If it's heat and humid, if if guys can get tired and, and cramped up. But so far, you know, you're going off eye test. Michigan State has been uh, the team that has really been impressive, and uh, I know it's been Northwestern and Youngtown State, but they've looked better. And Miami, just you know, yeah, they got the doors blown off by Alabama. Everybody does, but that that App State game didn't really give you a ton of confidence to go there either. So I'm gonna go with you and take Michigan State in that one. All right, up next, NIU, Northern Illinois, traveling to the big house to take on Michigan. Uh, who do you like in that one? I do not like Northern Illinois. Um, they have not been playing well these past couple seasons, so I'm going with Michigan. Um, Northern Illinois might try to keep it close early, but I just think Michigan has got to try to figure out how to pass the, the ball, which has been a real struggle for them this year. But they have, they have some good running backs that I think they're going to be able to move it with ease against the, uh, the Huskies. 
Yeah, that, that that NIU team is is an interesting one. Of course, Rocky Lombardi heading up the quarterback position, a familiar, familiar name for Big Ten fans. Uh, I'm going to go with Michigan here as well. It's hard to, to be seeing that upset happen in the big house. All right, another 11 o'clock game and an interesting one in the non-conference. Once again, Nebraska is going to, in fact, play Oklahoma. I know they wanted to try and get out of this game, but uh, the, they will be taking on the Sooners, 11 a.m. on Fox. Who do you like in this one? I think they're still going to be trying to get out of it at halftime. I think Oklahoma's going to be able to to work them over pretty good in Norman. Yeah, I'm going to take uh, the the Sooners rolling here once again after putting up, I believe, 76 points last weekend against Western Carolina. All right, another big one. Cincinnati traveling to Indiana for a huge matchup, 11 o'clock on ESPN. Who do you like there? I just think that Indiana – got really lucky last year, and I don't think that they're nearly as talented as as um, many of their opponents made them out to be based off of turnovers. You saw Iowa absolutely shred them. A um, couple defensive scores were a big reason for that, but Michael Penix just does not look anything like what we saw last year. Um, he's really struggling as a passer. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati. I, I It's hard to do that just because you're looking at a team who, who probably doesn't have – um, some of the high-level talent that Indiana has. Um, but at the same time, I think that Cincinnati has a couple playmakers that can swing this game. Specifically, I'm going to go with them because they have the better quarterback in my eyes. Yeah, I, I know everybody – it seems crazy that, uh, of course, Indiana is a, a four-point dog at home to a team like Cincinnati, but Cincinnati is is legit. They've got um, you know two you know, high-quality – I think the way to beat them is to, to – um, you know, make explosive plays on offense, and, and I don't see Cincinnati giving up. The, the cornerbacks are, are so good there. The defense is so good. Um, and Michael Penix, I just don't think, has enough there uh, to, to get that win. So I'm going to take Cincinnati here as well. Another sneaky good game here, of course, Colorado, a tough loss to uh, Texas A&M a week ago. They've got Minnesota um, at Colorado, so an interesting one there. Who do you like in that matchup? I'm going to go with Colorado. I think you look at you've got elevation at play here. You've got a team who's probably riding high after that after nearly taking down Texas A&M. You've got Minnesota who's probably going to get Ottman Bell back, but they're still without um, their best player by by far in Mo Ibrahim. So I'm going to go with Colorado. I don't. There's not a guy in, at Colorado that you're like, yep, that's the difference maker. But I don't necessarily see that with Minnesota either. So I'm going to go with the home team with the elevation and say that Colorado gets the win. Yeah, I think if you asked me, you know, ten times, you know, and and I would I could pick a different side each time on this one. I don't really love it either way. It'll be an interesting game to really watch to see where a couple of these teams are at. Um, I'll. I'll say Minnesota. I don't love it. I'll say Minnesota. Just uh, we so far we've been matching up. So why don't I uh, go ahead and something different and, and take uh, the Gophers here? I just really both these teams I think are kind of looking for their identity now with of course the injury to Mo Ibrahim. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how this one shakes out. All right, another sneaky good non-conference one: uh, Purdue traveling to Notre Dame. Of course, Wisconsin's got Notre Dame on deck. Who do you like in this one? I'm gonna go with. Notre Dame, but at the same time, I think that when you look at the spread, last time I saw it was like six or seven, right? Mm-hmm. I think Purdue could keep it within that and keep it close throughout. Um, I just, I, I know that, um, Notre Dame had the big 
win over Florida State, but Florida State has um, been very quickly found to be a fraud. And um, I think that Notre Dame will be better than Purdue. They have more talent there, but there, there's, you know, there's some quarterback stuff going on. They're still using a two quarterback system. Their offensive line hasn't been great. Um, and their defensive front has struggled against the run. So I think there's a lot of things that Notre Dame has to clean up. And, and I think Purdue can kind of test them in some of those areas. Yeah, I think that number of, of seven, seven and a half right now currently is very intriguing. I think Notre Dame is, is still kind of surviving on, on name alone, at least right now, based on what we've seen. Um, getting a game last week from Toledo and, and then, as you mentioned, Florida State maybe being a little bit of a paper tiger from that standalone game. Um, I'll take the Irish in that one as well, but I think it will be a close competitive game once again. All right, up next, Kent State Golden Flashes traveling to Kinnick to take on Iowa 330 on the Big Ten Network. Of course, Iowa coming off two big wins against Indiana and Iowa State. Who do you like in this one? I've, I've got Iowa in this one. I think some of their, their luck will eventually run out in terms of turnovers, but at the same time, I think that they are a much better team, especially on the defensive end. I can't imagine Kent State moving the ball enough to, to win this one. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I think if you looked at that number uh, of 23 and a half, that might be a little bit intriguing. Kent State can certainly score some points and eventually, you know, I was gonna, that luck might run out uh, eventually, but I don't know if it's here. I think uh, maybe it'll be close for a little bit, but Iowa, um, with that defense will, uh, end up emerging victorious in my opinion. All right. Up next, Tulsa traveling to the big house or not the big house, excuse me, uh, to Columbus to take on Ohio State. Um, Golden Hurricanes probably getting the Buckeyes in a tough spot. They're going to be come out probably angry in this one. So I'm guessing you like uh, the Buckeyes to bounce back here. Yeah, I mean, Tulsa got beat by UC Davis. I know they hung with Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma State's offense is straight trash this year. So I'm going with Ohio State. You know, whatever the spread is, pick Ohio State on that one because I think they're going to be angry after that loss last week. Yeah, I'm thinking uh in laying the points with Ohio State is, is probably a smart call. I, I think they're going to come out and put the gas pedal down and um, you know put up 50 on, on Tulsa here, and hopefully their defense can uh, get, <laughs> can hold them enough to, to make some stops and cover that spread. All right, next one, Battle of the Nerds, Northwestern and Duke. Who do you like in this one? Neither, um, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Like, Duke got- – Got a win, but it was against North Carolina A&T. They, they lost to Charlotte. Um, Northwestern has, has struggled out the gates as well. Their only win was against Indiana State in that $2 a ticket game. But um, I'm going to go with Northwestern on the road. I, but at the same time, I don't feel good about either of these teams whatsoever. Yeah, I think, I, I think also I've seen a little bit more from Northwestern, not all that much. I mean, Duke just – just doesn't, neither of these teams really have anything that jumps off the page in terms of oppressiveness. Uh, I think it could be a, a very ugly game, but I'll go ahead and, and take the, the Big Ten road dog in that one. Uh, well, of course, real quick, any upset in Delaware, Rutgers before getting to the premier game against with Iowa or Auburn and Penn State? I, I don't see Rutgers losing this. This one, I, I do think that Rutgers is, um, their record's a bit inflated based off of who they've played, but at the same time, I, I think that Delaware is, doesn't really have a shot in this one. At least I wouldn't think on paper. Yeah, I don't think so either. That, that Rutgers-Syracuse game was one that you really had to hold your nose at watching a week ago, so we'll, uh, we'll see what, uh, the Scarlet Knights bring. All right. The, uh, big one Saturday night, Auburn traveling to Happy Valley to take on, take on Penn State. Who do you like in this one? 
I'm going with Penn State because of the atmosphere alone. I think you look at Auburn, they put up over 60 points their last two games or their first two games against really, really bad competition, right? Like Akron's maybe the worst team in the MAC. Alabama State, you're looking at FCS team. So we don't really know a lot about Auburn. I think we know just a little bit more about Penn State at this point. The game's at home as well. I'm going to go with the Nittany Lions. I think that's that would be a, a welcome sight for Badger fans if Penn State goes and is able to shut down Bo Nix and that team and, and look really good. I think that would help fans feel a lot better. So I think in a whiteout condition, I'm going with Penn State all the way here. Yeah, uh, Bo Nix on the road for me is, uh, is an auto fade. He completely, completes 64% of his passes to just one interception on, at home. On the road, he's completes just 54% and has thrown 10 interceptions. I don't think him stepping into Happy Valley is going to help you all that much. So I'll side with Penn State and the Nittany Lions in what I think could be another ugly game. You know, I remember that Wisconsin Penn State when week one, I think you could maybe see a little bit of that, uh, in this, uh, you know, atmosphere in Happy Valley with the whiteout should be a a fun sight to see. I know uh, I'm talking about um, Camp Randall and seeing some of the sights and the joys, seeing a whiteout at Happy Valley with fans back once again will be a, a welcome sight for all college football fans. For sure. And and I think you look at Auburn and their, their past secondary, similar to what I brought up earlier about Illinois, last year they were one of the worst in the SEC in, in past defense. Penn State, we saw that they they can hit big plays. They do have talent out wide. If Sean Clifford can can put together a game, I think that um, they can take care of Auburn rather handily. But at, but at the same time, we just don't know what Auburn is this year because they just haven't played anybody. Yeah, the 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 Akron Zips being one of your opponents is a hard data point to to gather with them being you know one of the probably up there as is one of the worst teams in college football, but. All right, that wraps up our Big Ten picks. So, and, and now we'll go ahead and get into, we'll start with our interview with David Mormon, and then we'll have, after that, we'll have uh, our ad reads and uh, an interview with uh, Connor Sigian after that. So hopefully you guys enjoy a little bit of football and a little bit of basketball. We'll be back with you next week uh, to talk some Notre Dame. All right, Badger fans, part one of the two interviews that we've got scheduled for today is uh, reoccurring guest. David Mormon, of course, former Badger offensive lineman. We've had him in on. Is this the third time you've been on, David? Yeah, third time. Yeah, so you're you're the popular guy with uh, with our show. We always love having you on, getting your perspective um, on all things Wisconsin football. But it's been probably I like I think Matt's had around a year since he last had you on. So what's new in life? How are things going? Life is good. Honestly, no complaints. Um, I'm still in Chicago, loving it. Uh, work's going well. I'm washed up now. I miss football, but you know, every day is a challenge and it's exciting and like my job a lot. So I'm in a good place, man. And it's been fun watching, um, fans back in the stands. It's fun. It's been fun watching the Badgers get back on the field. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, we turned it around last week against Eastern Michigan and I'm excited to see, you know, rest this week and excited to see how the guys performing against Notre Dame coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, how how uh kind of wild was that to, for you as a a kid who's from Michigan to kind of see the Badgers take on Eastern Michigan in that one? Actually, my dad played tight end in Eastern Michigan back in the '80s, so it was. I mean, it's a fun game for my family, and and I think my dad, it could you know, he's the first one to tell you that I don't think he was expecting Eastern to win. Um, but we had a little you know family wager on it, which is always kind of fun, and it's nice to kind of have the, the smack talk a little bit on the side, but 
I mean, it's cool. Like I grew up 25 minutes from Eastern Michigan. My dad went there. So, you know, I grew up watching those guys as well. So it's kind of fun, uh, you know, seeing my team take on my, uh, the team my dad played for. There you go. You got to love those, uh, connections, uh, between those two teams for you. Um, overall, just to get kind of started the ball rolling with Wisconsin, what's kind of been your initial impressions? Cause of course there was the, the low of, of losing that opener and then, of course, the the nice bounce back win in week two uh, over the Eagles from from Eastern Michigan. I think the the main thing that's really stood out to me so far this season, kind of the silver lining so far to you know kind of a I don't want to say bad start. I mean, the first loss against Penn State that's tough, right? It's a Big Ten opponent right off the bat. Uh, Penn State's a really good team, you know, two ranked opponents, and you hate to lose a game in the fashion that you lost. But then you know you bounce back against Eastern Michigan, but there was you know definitely some sloppy stuff in the first half, definitely some things to clear up. But I think the good news for, you know, Badger fans is that we have three really good running backs and our run game seems to be, you know, just as good as it's always been. And you know, this is the, when I was playing, we always had good backs, but you're led by JT. And I think the fact that you're able to, you know, mix in three different guys and have three different looks for defenses to, you know, have to prepare for, I think really set, you, set yourself up for success in the long run. So I'm excited to see how the run game keeps going. Um, you know, obviously there's definitely some things we got to clear up. You'd like to see a little bit more consistency across, um, you know, the passing game, you know, and as far as offensive line protection, not rushing Graham, getting guys hit. Um, you know, the first game against Penn State, defense gave up some big plays. You obviously want to cut down on those as the season um, continues to go on. But there's definitely some, you know, good things on both sides. I think our defensive line is playing really well. Our outside linebackers and middle linebackers are playing fantastic so far. So um, I'm really excited to see how the guys just kind of keep developing and, and see, you know, kind of what the identity is moving forward. Yeah, so I, they're jumping into a bye week right now. Um, when you were on the team, what sort of message was there during a bye week? And it's, and it's kind of a weird time because you're getting it, you know, you only played two games compared to usually you hope for that bye week in the middle of the year. Um, but What's the message from the coaching staff usually during this time? And was it all prep for the next opponent or were, was the, maybe the first week a focus on yourself and then the second week maybe a focus on them? How does, how does the staff usually manage that? Yeah. So each week, each bye week is always different and it always kind of depends on where you're at in the season and how you perform so far. Um, you know, typically the, the first week of the bye week, um, it, you prep a little bit for, you know, the opponent you're playing once you, once you get back on the field, but a lot of the times you kind of rest the guys who play and let them get healthy and just kind of, you know, recoup after, you know, a long fall camp and after the first two weeks of the season. And you get a lot of the younger guys who maybe haven't gotten as many reps. Those guys get a ton of work and it's really good for development. Um, they're on the field a lot, which is when you're a young guy, it's, it's really fun because you actually, you know, you can kind of focus on not just looking at a scout team card. You can actually start learning the playbook and, you know, having some fun out there running the stuff that you hope to run one day on Saturdays. But, you know, as a, as a, you know, especially this year, I think a, a big message, I think that the guys, you know, I'm, I'm sure the coaches are kind of harping is, um, looking themselves in the mirror and really kind of figuring out what their identity as a team is going to be. And as a player, what your identity as a player is going to be moving forward. You know, you've been tested against Penn State. You had a, you know, a huge win against Eastern Michigan and get back on the right track, but you still have a whole season of football left to play. And you get a chance to kind of catch your breath and you got to look at the work you put in so far and you got to look at your goals that you set, you know, for yourself before the season. And you got to make sure that 
the steps you've taken so far this year matched, you know, match the work effort and um, sort of the vision that you have down the road to accomplish those goals. So I think it's a really big, you know, kind of break for the guys to kind of refocus and, and figure out, you know, how much they want to sacrifice and, you know, what they need to improve on to really accomplish all the goals they want to accomplish this season. Well, the one thing I wanted to ask you about and, and the notice for the first couple of weeks with the offensive line is a lot of different guys rotating in. I know we've talked before about Joe Rudolph. You know, he wants to get, you know, his five guys that he feels comfortable with no matter the position and he'll rotate in and move things around just to, just to find that perfect match. But how difficult is it? Is it hard to get in a rhythm when you're, you know, kind of coming in and out like that? And, and how do you think, how do you feel like that approach um, maybe affects some of the guys that are, that are bouncing in and out? Yeah, I think each offensive line, each season is different. Um, you know, I think early on in my career, we would always, you know, there'd be certain games that you rotate in, um, Cole for, you know, John Dietzen, cause John needs a couple, couple of breathers just to stay fresh or, you know, Mike Floyd rotate in for a few series or Erds, Jason Ehrman would rotate in. And I think, you know, depending on those, those years in particular, that was needed. And we needed those guys to be able to come in and let guys stay fresh, you know, due to injuries and, um, just a lot of experience playing football, but I think my when I was playing my senior year, um, I really struggled, you know, personally as a player when you couldn't get into a groove. And you know, I think you saw in, in 2019, my my senior year, once we actually had solidified who the five guys are going to be, you know, all game, and you you let those guys kind of get in the groove and work together all week at practice, you know, every single play they're getting all the reps, um, you know, and then you you just kind of had that confidence going into a game that those five guys are all you have. I think that kind of helps you develop, you know, a relationship with the guys you're playing with and kind of helps you build confidence in yourself and the guy next to you that you know you're going to be, you know, battling with those guys every single play. So I think um, you really got to, you know, Coach Rudolph is, you know, he's he's a genius and he's he's truly, you know, I think the best offensive line coach in the country. So, I mean, he, he definitely has a method to his madness. And I think you're right. I think he's still trying to figure out who the, you know, the best five guys are out there. but you know, as a, as a player, it's definitely difficult um, to, you know, get in a groove and then get taken out. So um, I'm interested to see how the offensive line looks against Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I, can, I can only imagine kind of bouncing around. It can be difficult. And I know you bounced around quite a bit during your career in terms of position, right? Like you had a lot of versatility. You You helped out in a lot of ways. One of your former teammates, Tyler Beach, made a, a big jump from right tackle to left tackle this year. And um, how hard is that shift, especially with limited practice reps in fall camp because he was dealing with injury? Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that Tyler has going for him is that he's super athletic and he's a super smart player. So I think, you know, Tyler has the ability to flip back and forth. And I think that's a um, a rare trait that only a few guys can can have. But I'm not going to lie. I mean, it, it was tough for me to bounce around, especially at tackle, just because, you know, you're going against guys, defensive ends who, man, they're fast off the ball and you got to be able to have a great, you know, first vertical set and, and fly back there to be able to, you know, get in their way and, and being able to, you know, rotate your driving kick leg, I think is something that it, people kind of take for granted. And I think it was a big challenge for me and it took me always a few kind of days to get back in the swing of things, but, you know, I'm confident that, you know, Tyler has the ability to do it. He's done it a lot throughout his career. You know, when he was a young guy, he had to back up both positions. And I think, you know, Coach Rudolph does a really good job of taking, you know, guys like Tyler, guys like Cormac Sampson, guys like myself, and, 
putting them in different positions where they can um, experience what it's like to play on, you know, guard, tackle, center on both sides of the ball. So when, you know, a shift needs to be, or when a, you know, a, a rotation needs to happen and a guy needs to move from right tackle to left tackle, they've done it before in some capacity. So it's not too um, distant for them. And I think, you know, Tyler, obviously missing fall camp is definitely tough because those reps are invaluable. Um, or excuse me, so valuable. And, um, you know, I think that the first game he was probably getting back into the groove of things, but I'm confident that Tyra will probably bounce back. And I, you know, I can guarantee that Coach Rudolph's on him trying to, you know, get his, um, you know, get his game back to where it, it would have been if he would have been in fall camp every single day. Um, and I'm confident that Tyler's working really hard, you know, spending the extra time needed to, you know, be the best left tackle that the team, you know, needs him to be. You know, another player on the line that was kind of a surprise in fall camp was Joe Tipman, of course, snagging the starting role ahead of Caden Lyles at, at center. Are you at all surprised by that? And, and do you remember anything that stood out uh, about Tipman early in his career? Yeah, Joe's my guy, man. I love Joe. He, uh, you know, he came in as a freshman and right away you just notice his pure presence and the guy's massive and he's, he's built like a horse. He's, he's freaking strong. Um, you know, he, he can, right off the bat, he was benching more than me and squatting more than me. And I, you know, had been in a college weight program for five years and he's a, you know, true freshman coming in, putting up huge numbers. So he has all the athletic ability in the world. And I think the one thing that really impressed me of Joe when he was young is his ability to kind of take coaching and apply it, um, at a, you know, super young age. And, and for me, it took me a while to figure out how to compete at, uh, in my career at, at, you know, the Big Ten level. Um, and, you know, you always thought you were being coachable, but in reality, you know, maybe you weren't necessarily listening to every little detail, you know, that you need to be listening to as a young player. And I think that I was really impressed with the way that Joe was able to pick it up right off the bat and just kind of go out there and compete from a young, from a young age. Um, and, you know, he, he definitely had battled some injuries kind of in the middle of the last couple of years. But, um, you know, when I saw the report that he was getting first team reps and then eventually when I saw him, you know, walk on the field and, and start week one, I wasn't really surprised at all. I mean, obviously, Caden's a really good player, and Caden's been around for a long time, um, you know. But I think Joe, um, I think Joe's all the ability in the world to be, you know, first round offensive lineman, uh, first round draft pick, you know, All American w- one day. So I'm, I'm super excited for him, and it was really cool to see. Uh, we would be kind of silly to not talk about Graham Mertz, right? Like one of your former teammates, a friend of yours. What do you make of his performance so far? And when what should fans kind of expect from him the rest of the way this season? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Graham's the first one to tell you that he wasn't, you know, he's probably not too fired up about his performance week one. Um, he did some good things and definitely some stuff he wants to improve on. And I think, you know, he, he was getting back in the rhythm of things against Eastern um, last year. But I think the one thing all Badger fans should do is just relax. You know, it, he's still so young. He's, I mean, last year, last season, the COVID year, I mean, the guy balled out against Illinois and Michigan, and then, you know, he got COVID, and then he came back, and he's getting back, you know, the the swing of things. But it was a weird year for everybody. I mean, in my opinion, last college football season was kind of a wash in a lot of different ways. So now it's just, you know, fast forward to this year. It's his first time playing in an environment with 80,000 fans at a game. And, you know, it's the first, you know, real time that he has, you know, the entire pressure of a state, you know, on his shoulders. Last year, he was a young guy, came Man, he replaced Jack when Jack went down. I mean, there's definitely pressure, but at the same time, you know, he didn't have the whole pressure of an offseason of, you know, knowing he's the starter. 
And, you know, he rolls in this year and he's playing a really good defense week one. You know, he's getting in the groove of things, playing in front of a real, you know, real crowd for the first time. And I think, you know, he, he struggled, but I think he has all the ability in the world to bounce back. So I think, you know, Badger fans need to just kind of relax and kind of give him some more time to see, you know, how he can develop and kind of get it back in the groove and lead the offense this year. The old Aaron Rodgers, relax. I like that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's, a, it's a theme. It's a theme for Wisconsin exactly, quarterbacks. Exactly, exactly. Well, another player that, uh, of course, has stood out throughout his career is Keanu Benton. Um, and you, of course, practiced against him when he was a true freshman. Anything yeah. that really stood out and what he does to stress out an offensive line trying to protect uh, uh, their quarterback? I mean, he's just a beast. He, you, Keanu, I, mean, I remember going against him, you know, in uh, training camp my senior year. And, like, I got to – I mean, to be honest, I was pissed off because, you know, you, you're going against a freshman. You think you're going to have an easy matchup and, and practice. And he made me work for every single rep I went against him. Um, and he made me look bad in a lot of different areas. I remember I had to move over to center. And my first practice back at center, he was eating my lunch, you know, every single day. So, um, the guy is just a load and he loves football and he's just so explosive. And he, you know, he's a big guy, but he had some quick twitch to him, which is really hard to, really hard to handle. Um, and you know, my, my senior year against Ohio State, he had that huge sack against Justin Fields. That was just, you know, you look at that film and it was crazy impressive. And, um, you look at the game against Penn State, he was kind of all over the place and, um, he bounced back and, you know, doubled it up against Eastern Michigan, played really well. So I'm excited to see all the, the pain he's going to cause offensive linemen throughout the Big Ten the rest of the year. Yeah, he's an incredible athlete and extremely strong. Um, but kind of another strong aspect of this team so far beyond the defensive line has been the running game. Like you mentioned, transfer from he kind of quickly jumped up and grabbed that top spot. Um, how difficult is it to learn the playbook, right? Like you, you're a guy who was in the program for a while, so you had a little bit of time to learn the playbook. Offensive linemen aren't necessarily always expected to be starting right away, but he's a kid walking into it and said, here we go, you're the guy. Um, is it hard to learn the playbook, and and is it hard to kind of gel with teammates when you just have a summer to get ready? Yeah, I mean, I think every situation is different. Every guy's different. I mean, I remember as a freshman, you know, I came in with David Edwards, and David Edwards is one of those guys who just picked everything up as far as, you know, schematically in the playbook right away. You know, then there's a guy like me. It took me a little bit to kind of, you know, figure out how everything works. Um, you know, I think that speaks to, you know, his – or Chaz's, you know, his whole mantra and his whole um, work ethic that he was able to come in, you know, like you mentioned, come in in the summer, learn the playbook that fast, you know, be named the starter even before week one even began coming out of camp. And then to have the success he's had early on, I think is, you know, ridiculously impressive. And, um, you know, jung with teammates, every guy's different. There's some guys who transfer in and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because, you know, they're coming from a different culture, but I think the beauty of Wisconsin football and the beauty of coach Chris and beauty of all the guys in our locker room is that, you know, there's no turds. Every guy typically in the locker room is a good dude who just, you know, wants to gel and play football with their, with their buddies. And you work hard, you play hard, you know, you have a great time, you know, beating up on the rest of the guys in the Big Ten. You have a good time, you know, working towards those goals. So I think, you know, there's Wisconsin's a great program for guys to transfer into because they welcome them with open arms. And if, you know, the other guys in the locker room, if they can tell that someone's coming in and wants to accomplish the same thing that they want to accomplish or to make you better and help you get to those goals, I mean, it um, opens up, you know, a world of possibilities. So, um, I'm really impressed for the way he's he's played so far, and 
Um, you know, I'm sure he's gelling with the guys in the locker room. You know, one thing I wanted to ask you about was I think I think I've noticed it across all of college football, not just Wisconsin, with with some of their things that have popped up, but communication, trying to communicate now with fans back. Seems like it's, you know, for some of these guys that are, are younger, new to college football, this might be their first time playing in front of huge crowds. How hard of an adjustment is that in normal circumstances, and how much more difficult might it be going from playing in front of no fans to now full crowds, and, and what kind of effect does that have on, you know, communication between the line or, or the defense um, that, that may cause some issues? Yeah, I mean, at a home game, it, it shouldn't impact you too much. Um, but, you know, I didn't have to – when I was playing, and, you know, I didn't have to play a whole season with no fans at all, and then all of a sudden I have to bounce back to it. You know, I came in, you know, and I went to a pretty big high school, and, you know, even – it's not even comparable to, you know, Camp Randall. But I remember in high school, like, there's loud games, right? So you're used to that, and then you jump in, and then you're – you know, my very first game, you know, we're playing, uh, my very first home games against Iowa and we're, or excuse me, not Iowa. I think it was, um, crap, 2015. I think we were playing Miami of Ohio, I want to say, but you know, you, there's jump around, there's 80,000 fans. So you kind of get used to it right off the bat and you're like, okay, like, you know, this is going to be, um, the environment for every home game and you just kind of expect it. Um, you know, away games, I'm sure are going to be really challenging because, you know, you go to Nebraska, you go to, um, you know, you go to Kinnick Stadium in Iowa and all of a sudden you're in front of a hostile 80,000 fans. I think, you know, that could be pretty challenging. Um, but you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's the beauty of the game as a player. You love playing in front of fans. You love having the challenges of, you know, communicating with the guy next to you because I think that's all what makes football beautiful is that, you know, fans get involved. Um, you know, you have a home field advantage or you have to go on the road and you have to, you know, tighten up your game and lock in with the guys next to you to come home with the victory. So. Um, you know, each guy's probably different. Um, and I'm sure it's a challenge for a lot of people, but you know, at the same time, I bet it's exciting for all the guys in the locker room to kind of get that opportunity to go back and, you know, play the game they love in front of the fans they love as well. Absolutely. Another kind of talking point that has emerged from the first two games this year is the idea of pre-snap motion. I wrote an article based on it. I had messaged you earlier in the week about it. Um, and, and usually the offense uses a ton of it, right? Like Paul Christ likes to shift tight ends, fullbacks, wide receivers, right? Like all sorts of different things to try to get mismatches um, and, and do some things against the defense. Is that something that usually grows as the season progresses? Or do you think that there may be a, something else going on with this offense right now in terms of a lack of that? You know, I don't know fully. Um, I think that it's really kind of up to Coach Chris, Coach Rudolph, and you know, the coaching staff and, and Graham and all the running backs just to kind of, you know, game plan each week and, and figure out, you know, what the formations are going to be, what the, you know, the menu is going to be for the week. Um, I, I can say that, you know, when I was playing, we wouldn't always kind of uh, show our cards, um, you know, that early in the season. I think you kind of want to, you know, just in the beginning of the year, just like guys play ball and figure out who your identity is as a team before you start bringing in, um, you know, different um, packages and, and motions and shifts. And I think that only time's going to kind of tell as to what our offense fully looks like. I don't know if there is a specific reason behind it or if they're just trying to, you know, establish, you know, our identity as an offense first before they start bringing in different, um, you know, tricks to kind of keep defenses guessing. So, um, I, I wish I could give you a better answer, but I think it's one of those things where we're just going to be patient and kind of see how things unfold the next couple of weeks. 
I think that uh, not showing the cards, you know, uh, point of that makes a lot of sense, of course, with the bye week and now, of course, Notre Dame coming up. And, and part of that Notre Dame game is, of course, the Jack Cohn Bowl. Um, you yeah, know, yeah. I played with Jack. Do you think he'll have some extra juice for this game and any sort of thoughts or predictions for that uh, big, big contest in Chicago right in your backyard? Yeah, I mean, I, I know Jack. Jack's a, a hell of a competitor. And, I, you know, I can bet everybody that he's going to be – he might not say it, publicly but you know you can you know bet your butt that he's gonna be fired up and wanted to stick it to our guys um you know I think he has an appreciation and a love for Wisconsin um he won a lot of games there I mean we won a Big Ten West championship together and we came you know one play away from winning the Rose Bowl um and you know in I think if he doesn't get hurt last year he finished his career as a Badger um but you know life throws curveballs your way and he got hurt, and now he's at Notre Dame. And, you know, I'm excited for him and seeing his success the first two games is, you know, as his friend and as someone, you know, who respects him a lot, it's been fun to see. Um, you know, it's going to be a chat. It's going to be it's gonna be a crazy atmosphere, I can tell you what. Um, but I can also guarantee you that Graham will be ready to go and that, you know, the entire Wisconsin team, as much as they love Jack and respect him, they're going to beat his butt too. So, um, dude, I'm fired up. Like, that's it's kind of the perfect storyline. It's some, kind of something out of a movie a little bit. So it's going to be a very, very cool game, and I'm excited to see what happens. Are you going? Uh, dude, I am so mad. So I am actually going to Las Vegas to watch um, the Raiders play the Dolphins. So I'm going to see Alec Ingle play Dieter and Van Ginkle in Vegas. And I, like, I booked the trip. I got invited to go I booked a trip without even looking at the Badger schedule like forgot it was the same weekend paid for everything and all of a sudden the next day after I already put the money down I realized that I'm gonna be missing the Notre Dame Wisconsin game and I'm 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 pretty frustrated about it I'm not gonna lie <laughs> that's a pretty good consolation <laughs> yeah, prize to be in yeah, Vegas exactly. with with some other friends so I don't I don't think you're you need to worry too much but um uh before we get out get you out of here the whole offensive line sponsored by Mission Barbecue, right? Like super cool opportunity because of NIL. Thinking back to your career and Madison and, and teammates, what do you think would have been your ideal NIL deal with somebody around Madison? First of all, I'm so jealous of every guy playing college football who, you know, gets to make money now. I mean, good for those guys. They deserve it. Um, I, I messed around with my parents. My guests couldn't have waited to have me a couple years later. You know what I mean? Let me had a chance to make some money. But um, I actually get asked this question a lot. But if I had to go back and, and try to sign, you know, an endorsement with, you know, places in Madison, there's there's three places that I would love to get sponsored by. Number one, um, the college club. Like I'm a huge like when I was there, I had a great time going to the KK with my friends. You know, some celebrated some great wins there. Um, had a lot of fun. So number one would be the college club. Number two would be Parthenon Euros. That was my favorite spot, kind of to get some greasy, you know, Euros and, and cheese fries. I love Parthenon. I went there all the time. Um, so Parthenon's number two. And then three, I think a sneaky um, favorite for best restaurant in Madison is Temp- Tempest Oyster Bar. I don't know if you guys have had the privilege of or had the opportunity to go there, but I love that whole the whole vibe of that place. Um, the staff there is fantastic. I actually went there on a visit in high school with my family and had, you know, a great meal. And it's one of those places every time my parents came, um, at the town, we'd always go there. And whenever we had a little extra, um, money or a pocket after an internship or, you know, Christmas or something like that, me and my buddies would always 
go splurge there and, and have have a good time. So those three places are definitely the top three for me. Those are great choices. I, I think you knocked it out of the park. All three of those uh, make make a ton of sense for a former Badger player. And Tempest is is always a a nice a nice splurge spot, like you mentioned. So, well, um, we appreciate it once again uh, having you on. It's always great talking with you, David. And um, enjoy your trip to Vegas. And um, I'm glad to hear things are going well for you. Yeah, thanks, guys. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking to you, and um, it's fun following you. You know, all the covers throughout the season. So, thank you for. Know, doing a great job and keeping, you know, all the fans and former players kind of locked into what's going on. So appreciate it. There you have it. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up our first interview. We'll kick it over to an ad read, and then we'll get into our interview with three-star shooting guard or new Wisconsin commit, Connor Sajian. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Badger fans, we are now joined by the latest Wisconsin basketball commit, Connor Esegian, out of Central Noble High School out of Indiana, part of the class of 2022. Um, in case you missed it, he announced his commitment to Wisconsin on uh, Thursday afternoon, so it should be a uh, exciting time for him, I'm sure. Connor, thanks for doing this, and uh, welcome to the show. We're excited to have you on and talk some Wisconsin hoops. Absolutely. Uh, I'm extremely honored to be here. Well, when we start our, our interviews with recruits or uh, players or recent commits, we always like to talk about um, just the ins and outs of their game uh, to start things off. So overall, what do you feel are the strengths of your game uh, right now? I uh, you know for me, uh, I'd say my number one is, is just the ability to shoot the ball uh, at a high level um, from deep. Um, and, and I know from that, there's a lot of people that, that consider me to just be a shooter uh, to go along with that. Um, but I, I see myself as, as more of a complete player. Um, there's a lot of things that, that go on without the ball that, that I see myself doing, uh, whether it's, it's getting rebounds, uh, for my position or size, uh, or making the right play, the right pass, get the next teammate open, or just like characteristic plays, like help the teammates up and other things like that. Yeah. I mean, your shooting ability definitely stands out on film. Do you have a favorite spot from three? Man, my go-to is the deep left wing. It can't be on the line. It's got to be a little bit past it. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You 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 had that answer teed up quick. You know that's your spot that you're looking for. Um, in terms of the flip side, what's one thing that you're trying to improve on and and work on, of course, before coming to UW? Uh, I would definitely say just my strength and speed. Um, coming from high school to you know playing at the Big Ten level. Uh, it's a huge change in just, just the bodies of people, the strength, the speed of the game. Uh, and it goes for any college level, but especially the Big Ten being one of the most physical leagues in the country uh, and being known for that. That's definitely something that I've been working on a lot. 
That sounds like a great plan. Um, you know, in looking at your high school film, it looks like you averaged about seven rebounds per game. You talked about um, wanting to do all the little things to help your team. Is, is that something you pride yourself on? I mean, you're 6'4". Grabbing seven boards a game is pretty good at the high school level. Yeah, no, that's, it's definitely something I pride myself on. Uh, I know my old AAU team, uh, I mean, Coach Ace, Casey Adams, uh, we're still extremely close. And um, he, he kind of built me to who I am today. And that's something he's always taught me is, is to be more than, to be more than one dimensional, uh, have different things to your game, but, but do the things that, that people don't see. Uh, and that's what gets you going, gets you hitting rhythm shots and it kind of just gets the flow of the game going too. You, know, you mentioned, of course, your shooting ability and you feel your game is, of course, much more overall rounded, um, than that. Is there a certain player you kind of mirror your game after, um, or, or really watch film on or take notice of to try and be similar to? Yeah, I know, uh, I know Tyler Hero, he's a person that, that I kind of just like use my game, uh, kind of after. Um, you know, a lot of people have compared me to him. Uh, so I try and study his film a little bit, just see how he moves with the ball, uh, and off the ball as well, coming off screens and that type of thing. So you originally got that, that offer from Dean Oliver and Coach Guard a while back. Um, what was their message to you throughout this recruiting process? Uh, it, it was just, uh, just that I fit. Um, just, just what they have going on, their culture, um, just the way they play and, and really just, just being able to come in and, uh, and just be able to do things, uh, differently. Uh, you know, Wisconsin being known for, for being a gritty team that gets after it on both ends of the floor. Um, so that definitely just being able to come in and, and just be a part of the program that has a strong culture, uh, which is something that, that I really love too. You speaking of Madison and, and being on campus, you re, you recently um, visited Madison. What was that visit like for you? Was that your first time uh, being up there to to kind of take a look at um, the, the campus and what everything that the Badgers bring? So I had actually we played in Chicago on my last uh, weekend um, for AAU, which was like towards the beginning of August. So I actually, since we were already kind of up that way, we ended up coming on unofficial. Um, to Wisconsin just to kind of check it out a little bit uh, since we were up here and then ended up coming back for my official um, not too long ago um, but I mean it was, it was really great you know really getting to dig deeper uh, into who the coaches and players are uh, as people you know that's that's really what drew me in the most uh, was just how they treated me when I was there how they made me feel a part of the family and that I didn't have to like change who I was uh, to, to be comfortable I was able to just be myself um, so you had a lot of suitors from a, across the country. For fans who don't know, who are some of the other schools you were considering um, other than the Badgers? Uh, yeah, so I actually I had my list down to seven um, before I made my decision. Uh, and it was Wisconsin, Minnesota, Creighton, Butler, Purdue-Fort Wayne, uh, Loyola-Chicago, and then Wake Forest. So those were my final seven. And in the end of, of that process, what was it about the Badgers that led them to winning out in your recruitment? Uh, you know, like I said, uh, the relationship piece was a huge part. I know I talked about it earlier as well, relationships being a big part of my life. Um, but not only that, but just the success that the Badgers have had. Um, you know, me being a competitor uh, and always wanting to win, um, being able to do that at the highest level possible, uh, and being able to compete for national championships year in and year out is something I really wanted to be a part of. Um, forward, um, Braden Huff out of Illinois, 
appears to be kind of the last remaining target for the Badgers in your 2022 class. Do you plan on putting on on your recruiting hat to help outland him, or have you had the chance to speak with him before? Uh, I actually, I haven't been able to, to speak to him before, um, but actually Coach Guard told me the other day, and he's like, all right, we got you, now it's time for you to do uh, some recruiting yourself. So I, I got to get on that, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I like that. I like that answer a lot. Well, before we let you go, Connor, anything, what are you hoping to plan academically, or is that something you're still trying to decide on? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I've actually kind of gotten into, like, the videography and, like, graphics um, for, like, sports. So, like, uh, mixtapes for kids or, like, commitment graphics. That's kind of the thing that I do. Um, so my commitment video that I made, actually, I made by my, I made myself. Um, so I did that. And so that would be something I'd really like to get into uh, is being in, like, the film or, or, like, the videography and editing or even the sports management side of things. That's awesome. I think uh, that sounds pretty tech savvy. That'll be uh, uh, fun. Fun career path for sure. Um, but, Connor, first of all, thank you for, for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Second of all, good luck in your uh, upcoming high school basketball season, and we look forward to, to seeing you on campus here soon. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast, as always, on Wisconsin. Mm-hmm.